Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Peter Becker, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Good evening, Patricia. Good to be with you. Now, we we saw the statement that was released by yourselves and um, the... South African faith communities, environment institutions, alongside yourselves being a Kuburg Alert Alliance. And it seems that there's been increase in seismic activity on the Milneton Fault Line. And this is um, allegedly caused by the Kuburg nuclear power plant. Please uh, tell us a bit more about these seismic activities that you have been experiencing in the area. Right. Well, um the, to be clear, the concern is that these seismic activities might affect the plant, not the other way around. So the nuclear plant is obviously something that um, ha- is potentially dangerous. So if we look at the recent trend of seismic activity around Cape Town, about a month or two ago there were two somewhere near Belville and I think another one offshore in PE of a magnitude somewhere around 2.5. And last night at about half past 12, I was woken up by the sound of a rumbling here, and it was a magnitude 3.5 quake that happened about 60 kilometers offshore from Kuburg. So the concern is not so much the strength of these quakes, which is quite uh, um, a small quake, quite a weak quake, but this could be an indication that there's increased seismic activity and there could be stronger quakes coming. So that's where the concern comes from. Now, what would these stronger quakes mean to the plant itself and the the, the neighboring uh, communities? Yeah. So, uh, firstly, the plant is designed to withstand a certain level, up to a certain strength. But, of course, the concern is what happens if an unexpectedly powerful earthquake happens. And I think if we went a year back and we asked how likely is it uh, that we'll be locked in our houses with a global pandemic, we probably would have said unlikely, you know. And it's the same with a large earthquake. It's unlikely. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't think about the potential consequences and doing what we can to mitigate those consequences. So Kuburg itself was built in the 1970s approximately. So it's going to get to its 40-year lifetime in 2024. And the concern is as the plant gets older, it's more and more susceptible to failures from various uh, reasons. And also possibly the safety mechanisms in place as they get older and reach their design lifetime, possibly they're not going to be working as well as they used to work. If you imagine a car that's 40 years old, you know, not everything works like it used to work. So our major concern is that ESCOM is considering or, or has stated its intention to extend the life of Kuburg 20 years beyond the lifetime that it was designed for. And we think that's an unwise thing to do. The risks involved, although the chances of a very large earthquake are small, the consequences are so high that we don't believe it's worth running Kuburg for those extra 20 years. Now, in your suggestion, what would the alternative be? Should, um, you know, ESCOM say, okay, we are open to consultations. Uh, What should we do for the next 20 years? Because we do need the power, as is. ESCOM uh, power supply in South Africa is really struggling. Absolutely. So that's a good question. Uh, And where we've got a problem with power is in the short term. We know that we've got coal power stations going offline in the longer term, and we know we have large plans for uh, renewable energy installations going forward. But the problem is the new ESCOM CEO 
needs to get us through these couple of years until those new plants come online. And that's what Kuber can do for us. It can keep running, although there is a risk. Maybe the middle ground is to say keep it running until 2024 and keep it running. Don't shut it down to start upgrading it and replacing steam generators and doing all sorts of things that will make it partially offline over the next few years before 2024. Don't do that. Don't spend the billions of dollars on this old plant trying to get more life out of it. Rather, let it come to its end of its life let it produce power up to that point, and then it's time to retire it as the designers of the plant intended. We are talking to Peter Becker, who is a representative of the Kuberg Alert Alliance, and we are looking at the risks for Kuberg nuclear plant. A-teamers, I'd like to hear from you around this, the fact that uh, there's been increase in the seismic activity. And yes, Peter does say that the risk of uh, getting an, a major earthquake are really low, but they are potentially there. What is your thought around this? Perhaps you live in the area and uh, you have experienced some of these tremors. Please do let us know. The number to dial is 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. Now, uh, Peter, in, in terms of your engagements as uh, the South African Faith Communities Environment Institute and also the Kuberg Alert Alliance, your engagement with ESCOM, are they forthcoming in terms of engaging with you? Is it an open discussion or are you just um, putting out your views and your thoughts around Kuberg power, uh, power plant without their, without them being a party to it? Mm. Yes, it's unfortunate, but the nuclear industry somehow goes hand in hand with the culture of secrecy. So we have not found uh, ESCOM to be too forthcoming with information uh, or and also the nuclear regulator that's associated uh, with these nuclear plants. So, for example, in 2017, ESCOM applied to the nuclear regulator for a site license to build a, a, a new plant, not only extend this one, but to build a new plant about twice the size of Kuberg. And part of that was what's called the site safety report which includes an analysis and a specific study to look at the risks of earthquake damage at the site. So when that was done in 2017, we asked for a copy and we used the Promotion of Access to Information Act, but the regulator refused to release it, despite the fact it had been submitted to them by ESCOM. So that's a kind of concern to us, because if that study found good news and was reassuring, surely you'd think they'd be keen to publish it and not to refuse a request for it. I also see that recently, in um, and at 6th of November, I think, a tender closed for a new study into the risks of earthquake damage at the Kerberg site. So clearly there is a concern not only from us, but from other people as well. The Council for Geosciences, I think, put out this tender. Uh, so that means that people are not clear what the risks are, and that's why they are looking at doing these new studies to assess the risk. But the concerning thing is, if they kept the previous one from us, what are the chances they'll release this one that they do? And also, when will it be complete? Because if it's only just um, the tenders just closed now, one assumes that's going to be months or years before that study is complete. And in the meantime, Kribble keeps running. With with your organization, are you in support of nuclear energy as a general? Or, or is it something that you think we should be staring clear from? 
Mm. Yeah, that's a good question, and it's also possibly different in different contexts. So my focus is very much on the South African situation, and it's it's, um, an argument to say every country is different. So it's difficult for me to make a judgment for other countries, what is right for them, but I can say within the context of our country, and if you look particularly at the record of maintenance of power stations in South Africa, we don't have a particularly good record, number one. ESCOM doesn't have a good record. And it's one thing if a coal silo falls over and spills the coal and it gets wet. It's one thing if a, a conveyor belt at Madupi is wrongly put together and comes apart, you know. It's not that bad at the end of the day. But if that kind of mistake is made at a nuclear plant, the difference is the results are catastrophic. I have an emergency plan for Kuberg, which includes evacuating tens of thousands of people from the area. And uh, as, as I've said, um, it is not something that's very likely to happen, but there is a possibility of it happening. And that's why we have that emergency plan in place. So the question is, when you've got that kind of risk, one needs to look at the benefit. What's the benefit of keeping the plant running? And what are the risks? And do we need those risks? And particularly in the South African context, it's a windy country and it's a very sunny country, particularly in some areas like the Northern Cape. We should be using these resources to safely produce electricity without the risks of a nuclear accident and without the problem of a nuclear high-level waste that's left around uh, for thousands of years, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of years, in a dangerous state to future generations. We are talking to Peter Becker, who represents Kuburg Alert Alliance, and we are talking around the Kuburg nuclear power plant and uh, the possible uh, risks around having an earthquake that could be potentially intense in the Cape Town area. Let us uh, go to our WhatsApps from our A-teamers. Evening, Patricia. You know, these earthquakes are really scaring. Um... I think the last big earthquake happened in 1969 here in Cape Town, Tulba and Ceres. And there was a, a damage there. Since then, I never heard of anyone. Luckily, the first one I didn't hear in the last two months. And the second one, I heard it, it was not so big. And the one last night, um, I really, I was awake and um, I had to walk outside and then it ended. So I think Cape Town is a uh, Trema City. Zola Gibana from Cape Town. Thank you very much for that message. Uh, now, Peter, um, this ATM says they have heard some uh, earthquake uh, tremors, but there seems to have been one in the early hours of the morning this morning, Tuesday, in Cape Town. Yes, it woke me up. Uh, at, at first, I thought it was the neighbor going for a ride in his sports car at half past midnight for some reason, and then it got louder and louder, and it sounded like a sort of jumbo jet flying over the house. Uh, my bedroom door popped open, actually, so there was a bit of vibration from it. Um, but this was a very weak earthquake. On the scale, it was about 3.5, um, which is, uh, you know, not a strong earthquake at all. But in a way, that made it quite frightening, just looking back, because the power of that thing, and to feel that it was 60 or 70 k's offshore, 
and I'm quite a few k's from the shore uh, as well. I'm here in Claremont, and the fact that it could actually shake my house at that distance, yeah, it was quite a quite a scary thing to contemplate. And it's now I was uh, chatting with a professor of seismology earlier on the, another show, and um, he said the problem with um, the science of earthquakes is you can't predict predict accurately when the next event is going to happen, and you can't predict how strong it is going to be. You can only say statistically it's more likely in this area or it's less likely in this area. So it's not that likely in Cape Town compared to other places of the world, but this disturbing trend is this rush of that we've had three or four over the last couple of months. The caller also very accurately mentioned series or toolback. It's called the series earthquake in, in um, 1969. I think that was 6.3 on the magnitude scale, and the one that we had was 3.5. So that shows that very powerful earthquakes are possible. We know that there was also one in 1809. Of course, we don't have accurate measurements of how strong that one was. But the six-point-something, Kuberg is actually designed, intended to be safe up to a seven-magnitude earthquake. Of course, we don't know how well those foundations have lasted over all these years, but theoretically it can withstand seven. But if we've been up to 6.3 before, it's not impossible that one day we do get a seven-magnitude earthquake. Let me go to the lines. I've got Anonymous uh, holding. Good evening, Anonymous. Good evening to you, my darling, and good evening to your guest as well. I just, you know, I, it was about 20 years ago, uh, about 30 years ago, I think, when I was 20 years old then. And I've, uh, there was this tremble of this earthquake. It was not severe, but we had a tremble. I felt I was like in some Luna or some Cloud 9. I was moving like I was in Cloud 9. You know, and uh, I just want to know what causes, that was many, many years ago, we haven't had it since, what causes an earthquake? Thank you very much, Anonymous. Let's allow Peter to answer, although I don't know if, Peter, you are um, a geologist, but... uh, have a shot at it. What causes Thank you so much. Earthquake? I'm not a geologist, but I'll have a good shot at it. Excellent. Uh, you, we, you probably know that the continents are moving. So over millions of years, they are in different positions than they were before. And that's why you've got features such as the trench, the Mariana Trench in the middle of the ocean. And that's also why the Himalayas are so high, because the subcontinent of India is pushing its way into Asia and that's forcing the the ground to rise, and that's why we have the highest mountains in the world there. So these are called tectonic plates, and they are moving all over the world very, very slowly. And as they move, they slip underneath each other. So some of them get pushed down by the ones above. And you can imagine this is not a fluid like honey. These are rock layers of rock, so they don't move smoothly, and they catch on each other. And every now and again, there'll be some kind of slippage. And there are different kinds of earthquakes. You get vertical displacement and subductions and so on. Uh, But basically, all of them are about these plates on the surface of the earth moving and scraping and getting caught and getting released as they move across each other. Mm. And uh, I think as we close off, uh, perhaps uh, tell us what is uh, the, th- the, the thing that we should be looking out for or are there petitions we should be signing? Is there a line we can call or send messages to so that there's inclusive communication with ESCOMs and the powers that be when it comes to Kubo Power play, uh, Station? Yeah, that's a good question. We've, we've just had the closing of an appeal against the building of the new plant. Um, and I think 
there's going to also be a licensing issue when it comes to extending the life of Kuberg. But perhaps best that um, if that one of those things open up again, that we are in touch and we'll give you the details of that. But at the moment, there isn't a public participation process that's open with regard to this. So right now, no information. So we're going to have to be very reliant on yourselves as the Kuberg Alert Alliance. Uh, thank you so very much for joining us, uh, Peter Becker. Give us uh, a website, perhaps, for the Kuberg Alert Alliance if for us to be kept abreast on what's going on. Sure. So the websites are kubergalert.org, uh, which is a blog with various articles. There's also a Facebook group, Kuberg Alert Alliance, and also a Facebook page. And also SAFSI has a website, safsi.org, and from those you, you'll be able to be kept up to date with what's going on. Thank you so very much. Definitely will do so. And I really do hope that we'll get to a point where there's some consultation around the sort of energy that we are using in South Africa. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to move to renewable energy. We want to go to cleaner and safer sources of energy that won't harm our environment. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Patricia. Good night. It's time for us to go to Zolaga Kodashe in the newsroom. But let me remind you, after that, we go into Closet Conversations and we speak about family feuds and how we can make sure that forgiveness is something that we do do.